The Keanu Review. Keanu, we gonna creep on you. For the B list, you realist, for eons, do you know what Neo knew? And can you be Kung Fu? Or are you dead when he said party on dudes? I know it's beyond you, that you could be untrue. Whether at point break speed or neon demon boo. We got a brief on you, don't put the tea on you. We drinking cognac for the podcast of Keanu. You are listening to the Keanu Review. We are taking you through a sentimental family journey through the film history of Keanu Reeves. And uh, with me, as always, are Robin Elaine Hitchcock. Hello. Bob Shields. Hello. And today we have a very special guest, Abby Fudor. Hi! Today's film that we're doing was Abby's requested movie. It is the 1989... Family antics comedy? <laughs> yeah, family antics comedy, Parenthood. So we start the, the show with a one woe review in which you encapsulate all of your feelings about this movie in a single word. Whoa. Mine would be, whoa. 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 (laughs) So Abby is the only parent on the pod. She's a little over a year deep into this thing called Parenthood, which Mm -hmm. I believe why you asked to do this movie. Yes. One of the reasons. Yes. So talk about your other reason. The uh, Just there's one other reason. There's two reasons. The first reason was, I think... Similar to when you guys started doing Theronathon, I was like, ooh, what movie do I want to do especially? And I think um, it's tempting to think of what's the movie that I like the most that I think won't have as many other people, because I know you have so many fans clamoring <laughs> to get on this podcast. Right, like, like when I thought of Keanu Reeves, it's like, okay, obviously, like, I love Speed and I could talk about Speed forever, but I'm, there's lots of people like that. And so when I thought about his full repertoire i was like i wonder how many people are fans of the movie parenthood and slash watched it a lot when they were younger so now that you guys have all watched this movie i assume you agree with me it's weird that i watched this movie so much when i was like eight i don't understand what i i mean i guess i like movies with a lot of characters in it i don't know but i remember this being on tv a lot It was, but why did I always sit down to watch it every time it was on is the question. I have two theories. Number one, I think that for uh, people of our generation, like Steve Martin is that sort of quintessential like comedy dad in films because of parent of uh, father of the bride and this and his many other movies that were on Comedy Central all the time. This is just speculation, but like I had never seen this before today, but my dad loved this movie so i wonder if you saw it a bunch like i don't know if your parents also liked it and that they would watch it with you yeah there was a point in the middle of the movie that i went oh my mom used to always we used to always the line of uh you know what i do when i slip on a bunch of guts i make balloon animals my mom thought that (laughs) line was the funniest line to the point where i wondered if i said to her even with her memory going if i said to her today like balloon animals i think she might laugh like a song lyric coming back to her because we said that a lot (laughs) i want you to test that theory i will i will but it makes sense because we are all children of the 80s or bob you're from the 80s right yeah i was born in the 80s that's what i mean (laughs) i know you're a little younger than me but i didn't know how dangerously (laughs) younger than me you were (laughs) i am shockingly the same age that steve martin is supposed to be in this movie Ooh, alarming oh yeah that was my first note 
He's not. That was, that's what I was saying. He's before nine years older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the same exact thing because it's right yeah, in the beginning like, of the movie. Off the bat, that thing that happens to people our age of like, am I older <laughs> than this person? I'm has- the grown-ups age? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, no, for me, it was like watching a high school movie where you're like, all the teenagers are in their late 20s. Mm, yeah. Like this, they're like, the character is 35, but the actor is 44. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Robin, had you seen this movie before? I'm not sure I ever sat down and watched the whole thing. But like I said, I remember it being on TV all the time. I remember being somewhat scandalized by the roadhead mm-hmm. piece yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the first time I knew that that was a thing. This movie was definitely my... I was thinking about this in terms of just like certain random movies from the 80s that you grew up watching a lot. This movie, especially because this movie was like, hey eight-year-old Abby, just so you know, this is grown-up life. Like, this is what Mm. you will eventually grow up doing. It it just set a lot of things that I thought about forever. I thought about Roadhead forever, like, connected to this movie. Just, like, be careful when you give Roadhead, because you could... If you ever it's give Roadhead. It's a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale. Like, going to Chuck E. Cheese, like, that miserable scene, like, that's always miserable. Leaving a baseball game is always miserable. You're gonna have, it's gonna take a hundred hours to get your kids into the car. Like, I remembered as I watched all these scenes, they, like, all really made an impression on me of, like, this is how each of these little life moments go. A lot of them, anyway. The movie is a lot of, like, scenes more than it is, like, one whole narrative. Yeah. And I believe that it has since been made into a tv show twice oh dang yeah they made it into a tv show shortly after the movie came out okay because it feels like the pilot of a tv show (laughs) and 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 i don't necessarily mean that as a criticism like mulholland drive was supposed to be the pilot of a tv show like you can make a great movie that's a pilot of a tv show and this Mm -hmm. has a lot of similarities yeah (laughs) they're pretty much the same Like slapping that salami. <laughs> <laughs> so they they made one in 1990. I think it got canceled after one season, and then the aughts one or aughts and yeah, early 2010 or teens. Something. Yeah, that one lasted for a while. And that's then, like, this the, movie. I didn't. I thought that was a totally different thing. No, nope. adapted from this film with um Lauren Graham and oh, Peter wow. Krause. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'll have to check those out. My sister watched that show. <laughs> I think similarly to what I was saying about our parents liking it, came on when she was a new parent and was like, right, all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is what it is. Yeah. Well, I have some thoughts I can share along the way of like how much it is what it is. So just say no. (laughs) With my ample experience. Well, that was one thing I thought was interesting is that this is mostly about the difficulties of parenting slightly older children. Yeah. Like they don't get to baby content until the end. So I wondered if this made you go like gulp. (laughs) Yeah. But most movies do. I mean, most, (laughs) most movies and TV shows make middle life with a couple kids seem just fucking miserable (laughs) so (laughs) it's just my goal to avoid my life looking like that as much as possible (laughs) um and don't have four kids yes yeah that seems to be a theme Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's like four o'clock in the morning if you get to a four then you've you've fucked up somewhere (laughs) along the way you should have stopped before now yeah go to bed before your fourth kid yeah So here's the family tree, and it took me a while to sort this out, so that's why I'm going to share it with our audience. So (laughs) Jason Robards is the overall patriarch, and he had four children. So he has Steve Martin, he has Diane Wiest, he has Harry Burns' ex-wife from When Harry Met Sally, 
I'm sure mm-hmm. that actress has a name, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> that Nope, that's who she is. And Tom Hulse, who's like the black sheep of the family. Amadeus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, And I yeah. love him. He should have had a better career. I wonder if part of that was that he's just typecast as an asshole. And like, I feel like that's got to be a tough typecast to carry around. Especially when you like kind of have a baby face like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Robin, just real quickly, were you going in birth order? Because I assumed Diane Weist was older than Steve Martin. I was not. I don't know if they established birth order just i would bet money that she's supposed to be the oldest because she has the oldest kids by a lot Mm. i looked all their ages up because i am like obsessed i'm obsessed with being like am i as old as these people slash older (laughs) and steve martin was 44 diane weist was 41 i think so even though but like in lady years that's like 80 106 (laughs) yeah i mean i admit when she had a baby at the end i was like she could still have nervous right 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 so I- my mom was 42 when she had her youngest kid. Mm-hmm. I think Steve Martin is the oldest because of the parallels between Steve Martin's character and his oldest son. And mm. the the like, I was such, I was so worried as, when I was a kid and the conversation that the dad had with him about when Steve Martin was sick. I think that he wouldn't have had that reaction if it weren't his first kid. Mm. The like, the, the, the way that he talked about resenting, worrying about how sick his oh. son could be. Okay. So, so if she's- under 35 i guess that's still because i guess martha plimpton's supposed to be like 17 because she's mm-hmm. the end of high school okay interesting all right i will have to contact what's the name of the director of this movie ron howard <laughs> ron howard oh it is okay 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 i'm happy days i wonder and if this was ron howard because clint howard's in it so yeah, yeah that's, a, that's the giveaway, sure yeah, giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> everyone else is like we're good the two writers of this movie one of them's named like Babalu something. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they have written a ton of movies directed by people from ha- the Happy Days television empire, including A League of Their Own. Oh my gosh. They wrote A League of Their mm-hmm. Own? Wow. Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. Huh. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try to tackle the plot, but please feel free to interrupt me because I only just watched it and uh, you guys might have more memories of it. But essentially, like, the, the story opens with a kid at a baseball game, like, back in the 50s-ish, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. And uh, his dad, like, brought him there. He's, like, four innings late. And then his dad pays an usher to sit with him while he goes off and, like, does business. And then the kid starts talking to the usher with adult lingo. And he starts essentially being like, this is just a daydream. You're an amalgam of all my memories about how my dad was a shitty dad. And now I'm a dad and I want to be a good dad. And then we realize that that person is Steve Martin. I love this game. opening. I did too. It's clever, yeah. yeah I thought it was like, really cute. So, like, unfortunately, one of my main criticisms of this movie is the, like, tonal shifts and device shifts. Mm. Like, it seems oh, like yeah. some, again, it's sitcom-y. My least favorite part of the whole movie is when Steve Martin, like, fantasizes about two possible outcomes for his anxious child. Like, mm-hmm. so it's, like, back and forth between, like, fantasy land and just, like, very grounded, realistic depiction of the world. And that didn't work for me. That said, this opening drew me in right away. That might have been another reason why I liked it as a kid. I think that that, like, as you're describing that, I'm like, that sounds entertaining. So I think Little <laughs> Kid Abby was probably like, this movie has wacky stuff to it. So I, I think and that's maybe fun. that's why. Maybe that's what they, why oh, they did it, to make yeah. this a little bit more cross-generational. But I wrote down in my very scant notes that I always knew the word amalgam because of this movie. Nice. <laughs> I love it sticks that. with I, you. I mean, Regina yes. was very quickly describing it, and she used the word. It's a very 
a very poignant use of an amalgam in film. Also, that kid, I was like, what do I know this kid from? Three ninjas. Wait, what? <laughs> He's one of the three ninjas, which is Ooh. a children's film. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> which the kids I babysat for were obsessed with. And so I've probably seen it 25 times. I've never seen that. I mean, Too busy watching Parenthood. Once. <laughs> I mean, you've either never seen it or you've watched it a hundred times. Yeah. I wanted to say, like, what Robin was saying about how, like, some of the devices, like, I think one of the things that makes this movie feel a little odd for me is that it's it centers Steve Martin as the main character of the film, like, because of this opening and mm-hmm. because we sort of, like, see more of his interior life. But it is, it's an ambitious movie because it is covering sort of the dynamics of all of his siblings and their families, a little bit of their interactions with each other and their dad in a way that it doesn't always feel like... Sometimes I think, like, Diane Weist has more story than Steve Martin does. Oh, yeah. Diane Weist is the best part of this movie by a lot. Yeah. yeah. We can talk about that. I might even suggest that she should be the the Rade Shrevegia of the Keanu review, and we should bring up uh, how great she is all the time. But she's obviously a much more prolific actress than Rade ever was. No offense. Has she been in any of our other movies yet? Not Am yet. Okay. Because Rade so, no. became a Rade because he kept showing up. All right. Well, fingers crossed. I am on the lookout. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, like, again, like, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to go through this, like, sequentially. I think the family tree is the right way to approach it. All right. So I'll just tell you the story of each of the families. Yeah. So Steve Martin's wife is Diane. Diane? Mary Diana. Steenburgen. Mary. Uh, full me. name Academy Award winner Mary Steenburgen, who's married to Ted Danson. Yes. Also, question about Mary Steenburgen. Is she always exactly that age forever? <laughs> Well, I was going to butt in and say that she, I looked her up and she was like 36 or something when she filmed this. So I remember thinking, I am right to be like, Steve Martin is not three years younger than me with three kids, but Mary Steve Virgin is your age. I just think of her as like a stained glass painting come to life. Like she's just (laughs) very delightful. Uh, I don't know what her accent is or if it's just her, like like her manner of speaking, but I think she's a delight in this. So they've got three kids. Their oldest kid is Kevin and there's sort of allusions to Kevin having like emotional problems initially. Like there's a really great scene where uh, they like put all the kids to bed and it's like, oh, kids, there are a lot. And he and his wife are like trying to Mac and you see Steve Martin's penis in his wife fronts and I was like I was not expecting this <laughs> and then he's like in his what grab, uh, tidy wi- whities tidy whities wife fronts what I don't, I've not I don't know I've that also term. never heard that is that a Britishism are you is saying it? white or wide why so like the the oh. opening looks like a Y neither the letter <laughs> why why fronts why oh, like the first letter in yellow uh, okay <laughs> Well, I couldn't call them tidy whities because they were gray, but you can definitely see his entire package. And I was like, the 80s were a different time. <laughs> but so they're like making out and she's like, oh, by the way, like, will you come with me to the school to talk to the principal? And then he like kind of like goes off and is all worried. And they keep going between like parenting logistics and necking. And I like, I thought this was very endearing, but they're sort of, they're worried about their oldest kid. We don't really know much about their other kids. Their middle daughter is a daughter and she's the middle child. So the movie forgets about her. And the youngest, <laughs> the most important thing is that they put a bucket on their head and run into stuff okay my favorite scene in the whole movie <laughs> is when the kid gets his head stuck in oh, the yes. chair <laughs> oh yes yes goes, help 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 i'm so, gonna try to cut that into the episode because it's so sweet help, help, help. it's like the little girl who dr- or eats wasabi help. 
Yeah. Mike and I spent the whole movie trying to decide if Perry was going to be him or the smart little girl. Because <laughs> Mike kept Maybe saying, both. yeah, Mike kept saying, like, that's going to be Perry with, like, how smart she was. But then, like, how, <laughs> like, him being so goofy, I was like, I think that's, I think Perry's going to eat those dots. I don't know. I love him. <laughs> but the middle child actress, though, you know, that's Curly Sue. I did not. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's, like, the one other movie she's been in, I think. But, yeah. But- she, did she really have curly hair? Or no. They curled her hair? I think th- I think that's actually I feel fa- traumatized. <laughs> I know. I think I remember reading that IMDb that, like, they curled her hair for the movie. <laughs> oh, they could have also straightened it for this film. They, yeah. Wow. Well, in any case, she's the middle child and they don't spend much time on her. No. Oh, and, and also the anxiety boy is the boy from The Witches. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's how I know him. Okay. While we're talking about all the child actors' other credits. Yeah. <laughs> and her, the smart girl is in Problem Child 2. That was another thing where, like, <laughs> in the very beginning of the movie, I was like, Mike, that's Curly Sue. And he was like, oh, okay. He's like, I never saw that movie. And I'm like, girls and boys have different movie childhoods. <laughs> or just, especially us. Like, I was like, you haven't seen Parenthood or Curly Sue? What were you doing with your time? <laughs> And he was like, watching Robocop a million times. It's like, I'm watching Karate Kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I must right. have had a boiled childhood because I have never seen either of them until now. Oh, no. I've never even heard of Curly Sue. Curly what? Sue was a big deal. It was a big deal. <laughs> I've never heard of it either. I it's thought like, that movie was really famous. I, it was I could a be big wrong. deal. Regina's a what's a TiVo. Look, I was just watching <laughs> Now and Then on repeat until I was old enough to watch The Craft. <laughs> you got to watch Curly Sue if you want to learn about homeless girls okay go ahead they go to the school and the school is like you're, we've been observing your kid kevin and he needs to go into special education uh he takes up too much of the teacher's time and he needs like more attention i found this scene pretty uncomfortable and that it felt very dated mm. in terms of their reactions and it's a lot of them being like are we blaming ourselves for how our kid turned out and it was just a little bit odd but essentially like that's kind of his uh steve martin's plot is that he's super worried about his son and he feels like everything he does is going to impact how his son is because he has a bad relationship with his own father. His father treats his wife terribly constantly in this movie um, and is kind of just like a slick talking like there's a scene where the whole family gets together and he's definitely like the patriarch who's like whose wedding did i get drunk at who did when did i punch the pastor so it's like the asshole that everyone tolerates because uh i reasons i guess he's very i mean he's very much like a 1950s dad like i I worked for you i put food on the table and that's all i did and and remember super mean to your mom right and remember from the amalgam that his dad left when he was a kid so it's kind of like the pattern i think that that happens a lot which is like the one dad leaves so Mm -hmm. the next dad is like i knocked out of the park i stuck around even though i was awful the whole time and then the third generation is like i'm gonna stick around and not be horrible so yes, this might be what happens to joaquin phoenix but for keanu reeves intervention but we'll get there We'll get yeah. there. I mean, this movie is very much about boomers struggling with how to be parents. Yeah. Like, it is It is about, like, how do you parent differently than your parents who came home from the Great War? Yeah, absolutely. Hence all of our parents liking it. Yes. Right. Uh, so the, the, the patriarch of the family is mean to his wife who doesn't have a lot of lines. And his plot line is essentially, like, the youngest child, Amadeus, comes back. And he's, like, a, a, a no-good grifter. <laughs> and he shows up and he's like, hey, I have a kid out of wedlock. Ooh, I never cool. told you about but he- named cool oh like that kid is six. so cute oh god <laughs> he is the pathos of the movie i think like he's he's the kid that i was like someone being a better and, parent to him 
I, exactly. Like, I, I, in a way, I don't want Jason Robard's character to have the redemption that he gets. But like, I was genuinely moved by the end when he adopts Cool. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Like, he did the right thing. And I also think that Jason Robards will be, that'll be his fifth child that he actually is a loving parent to. He gets a second yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets a fifth chance. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have four, but definitely try for five. Yeah, if you have, if you get to four. Like, well, right, if you get to yeah. four, adopt one of your grandkids. So, he, like, his plot, I'll just quickly wrap up his plot with uh, Amadeus's plot. Is essentially, like, he has, like, a fancy car, and Amadeus owes some people money, and he's like, oh, dad, like, I, like the the gangsters are going to kill me if you don't give me $26,000. And the dad is, uh, the patriarch's really stressed out and he goes to Steve Martin and they have a heart to heart where he's kind of like, I know I'm coming to you for advice because you're a good father, Steve Martin. And I know you think I'm a shitty dad. And they talk about like how hard it is to be parents and how you'll never stop worrying about your kids. And he's essentially like, do I help my son who I know is going to continue to do bad things? And if I help him, it's going to like set back my retirement and my financial security. But at the same time, he's my kid. Like, what am I supposed to do and so he comes up with a i'll i'll help you with with boundaries response and amadeus is essentially like i'm gonna go to chile instead and leave you my child cool and cool stays with him and that is sort of like their story arc the other family uh is rick moranis being a total asshole mm-hmm. um very against type very against type yeah i think Mike, like i might raising- struggled with that because he was like my hero, Rick Moranis. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept definitely trying to find ways to like, but like, like, uh, well, he's trying. <laughs> yeah. When no. he held up the diaphragm that had a puncture, I that was like, scene... if he has punctured it, I am going to lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but I could spend a whole podcast talking about that scene. Like, what a yeah. what a moment in cinema for a diaphragm. <laughs> <laughs> also, not really the best way to sneakily get pregnant when you're using a diaphragm for birth control. I just right. the thought of that scene is so like quick and throwaway but like this man thought to himself i think my wife is my wife is secretly deceptively trying to get pregnant even though we agreed not to i believe i know i think the way she's doing it is she cut a hole in her diaphragm and so then he grabs water i think we're supposed to believe that he didn't test it first he's like i'm gonna do this dramatic moment in front of you and he Mm -hmm. pours some water into this diaphragm and then she's basically like yeah well i want another baby and i'm like (laughs) find another yeah that's what i mean like it's all like if it was flipped if i mean i guess you can't flip it completely equally like if a guy was cutting holes in his condoms and was gonna get a wife pregnant but still it just that scene was a lot and i just wanted to say it was not great like they definitely framed that she was saying that like she was like a wild mess and that he was like so controlling and like whipped her into shape so like part of it might be like their dynamic but essentially like his whole thing is he's like you have to raise your kids to be like super babies and so he's always doing things to like with his young daughter to make her uh, a genius and he's constantly looking at steve martin like you let these kids run around like animals and that's like the joke there right and that leads to my favorite moment with the kid in the chair the ex-wife 
from When Harry Met Sally. Do we know the character's name so I could stop saying that every Susan. time? Susan. Susan. Susan says, like, he should interact with, or she should interact with her peers. And he says, we want her to connect to that kind of peer. They did, Yeah, and that's when his head stuck through the chair. But then also later they're talking about their kid. And that's when Buckethead comes in and just starts <laughs> running into a wall. <laughs> so the movie is both, like, making fun of Rick Moranis, but also, like, but maybe he has a point. That's the second movie in this week that I've watched with a parent trying to turn their child into a genius with a series of flashcards. I think that was a thing back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the I first people are still doing it now. So th- their plot is essentially that like Rick Moranis is very invested in constantly uh, focusing on their daughter and uh, training her to be a super baby <laughs> to the point where like at some point Susan is like, hey, I got, you know, uh, an extra shift or something so that we can go on vacation to Mexico, just the two of us. And Gil's going to watch her so we can like hang out. And he's like, great, I'll bring her. I'll bring the daughter so she can learn Spanish. And the wife is like, I thought maybe we would be alone. And, and he's like, but we will be alone. And so they're like, obviously, like not connecting about this. Then there's the awkward diaphragm scene where he's essentially like we talked about having kids once and i'm never talking about it again and uh right. later she tells him via flashcards that she's gonna not that him. they'll never have kids again but they've read studies that exceptional children are either only children or at least a five-year difference between siblings which yes. is what i have between me and my sister and she's an exceptional firstborn <laughs> child so i was like you're right i hate you rick moranis's character but you're right oh you know what maureen mcgranigan is a lot older than Joe McGranigan, and she's a very exceptionally smart person. I mean, they're so are both oh, of you. Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. No flashcards involved. I'm an only child and disprove the theory entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I think he says that only children count too. He does. Yeah, he's, yeah. Yes, he's Bob is putting himself down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their story is essentially uh, she says she's going to leave him, and then he comes to her classroom and sings the song from their wedding. Uh, because he wants her back and he does a couple of funny little he's singing the chorus bits or like multiple that was my favorite part of him singing was him like Mm. adding in like the background vocals and then she decides uh to stick with it i guess is their storyline i was shocked when that worked yeah because i was like wow it's still all about what he wants um i didn't like i didn't like that whole storyline super much also like those (laughs) kids they clap at everything but they will make fun of her every day yeah she's like i'm gonna lose my job and he's like i'm gonna go to the next line of the song yeah but you know happy ending for them Mm -hmm. and then the other family this is the big family and where keanu i don't know if you guys know this this is a podcast about keanu reeves he is in this film He is. In quite a major role. Yeah. Uh, he's, very so hero- is- he's very heroic in this right, movie. Right, he is. <laughs> he plays a very pivotal role. Yeah. So Diane Wiest is, uh, her husband has left her and started a new family. And she has pu- like an early puberty age son uh, played by Joaquin Phoenix. And then her daughter, who's a senior in high school, I believe, because they're hoping that she'll go to college the next year. Uh, what's th- what's the daughter's name? The actress is Martha Plimpton. Um, what's the character's name? Julie? Julie, yes. Julie, okay. Also, do you guys know that Joaquin Phoenix was not named Joaquin Phoenix yeah. when he did this? Did you notice that he was Leaf Phoenix for yes. this role? Yes. This is yeah. the, leaf, the Leaf years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was um, when Gladiator came out, and then Joaquin Phoenix got famous again, but particularly from that role. Yeah. I don't know when Abby learned that that was the same actor from this movie, but it blew my mind like it absolutely (laughs) destroyed blew my mind just for some reason like i guess because he's blonde and he has longer hair and and he's he's way younger yeah yeah but like i just was like 
I don't know. It was extremely shocking. <laughs> I had the same experience, but with the movie Space Camp. Mm-mm. Who's in that? Joaquin Phoenix as oh, Lee okay. Phoenix. I feel like this is the best I've ever seen Joaquin Phoenix in any movie. Ooh, wow. <laughs> He's pretty good. I, we've discussed on our sister sorry, podcast. Joker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Joker I sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I hated that movie kind of don't like Joaquin Phoenix which I always feel like a little guilty about like I feel like I should like like it's just I feel like I have an irrational dislike of him Mm -hmm. and this movie I was like this kid is great Mm -hmm. yeah I I agree I think he's I I mean basically this family unit is extremely well acted I almost think that it's in the way that it's how you said that rather than being a film it's more like little character bubbles little vignettes this character vignette is like, here is the Oscar winning vignette. Like, this is going to be yeah. the extremely well acted, very real issues. Like, I- I- obviously, Kevin and his emotional issues are supposed to be like the crucial, one of the central conceits of the, uh, like, hi- I think Steve, Steve Martin's Martin. dramatic uh, thing to conquer. But I and agree with Regina that it, it just feels kind of dated and weird or something. And it, and it seems a little bit. I don't know. I just, I remember never, never really feeling for Kevin or I, the way they handle it is just sort of like this goofy problem. Whereas everything with <laughs> Diane Wee's family, I think because of her gravitas as an actress is mm-hmm. like, I am like, I thought that the, the scene of just getting caught your mom catching your nude photos, it was just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. even that was weightier than any of the Kevin stuff, I thought. So I think part of the reason for that is the what's going on with Kevin is the movie is focused on how it affects Steve Martin. And oh, we yeah. sort of see that like Kevin is sad about it, but he's in some ways like too young for us to like engage with or they don't really spend time on like the impact on his social life. Whereas the Diane Weist characters and her kids like we definitely see what's going on with her, like you said, because of her gravitas as a performer. But like yeah. we see how what's affecting her, her kids affects them as well as her. Right. Like it has the sort of like you see the the daughter feeling like what it's like to have her mom look at her news and the mom at the same right. time. Right. Right. You you and feel like, for all of them in that family. Mm-hmm. And and this plot has more, like, genuine conflict and resolution. Like, I feel like this could have been spun off into, like, its own entire film. Exactly what I was going to say. This could be its own movie. And in some ways, I think that would be better. Yeah. So Diane Weiss' husband left them. And, like, the first time we see them is, like, Joaquin Phoenix. We're getting to Keanu. (laughs) We are getting to Keanu. I promise. Half an hour in, he's going to show up. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to pop out from under the bed in his wife runs. It's going to be great. (laughs) Joaquin Phoenix is, like, leaving the house with this big bag and, like, not talking to his mom. And she's, like, desperately like, hey, like, the family's coming. I'm trying to connect with you but not be overbearing. But also, like, please. And he, like, literally shuts the door in her face. And you can see her be very sad. Mm -hmm. And then uh, she goes into her daughter's room and she's like, I'm going to need help cleaning up. Um, And she like connects with her daughter for a minute about how she's excited about her SAT grades. And like, aren't you glad that I told you not to focus on boys because like, you know, school is really important. And her daughter's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they start fighting almost immediately. And then Diane Weist leaves and then Keanu Reeves finally appears. He jumps out from under the bed in his wife fronts belly scar ablazon. Yeah, this is one of the best looks we've ever got at his belly scar. Oh, okay, good. I had some questions about that. I'm not surprised you guys could answer, but I didn't notice it at first. I didn't, I guess I was just looking at everything else, but I didn't. And so Mike said, was that a scar on his stomach or was that his happy trail of like, yes, I think is the answer. Oh, and I'm not 
a hundred percent sure. I kind of feel like maybe they were trying to hide his scar with fake. So he has a vertical scar in his belly. So he had a motorcycle accident and had major abdominal surgery because his he had to have his spleen removed or so is that also because then when he gets on top of martha plimpton i noticed for the first time he has like scars on the side of him probably the same incident and it's why you don't see him shirtless as often as you might of a sexy movie star of his caliber okay did you guys notice the ones on the side it was like some lines and then there were also some circle looking scars and then I thought, as somebody that had tell. seen the movie a lot, I remember there's a later scene where he talks about his dad, like, flicking cigarettes at him. And I was like, is this all elaborate makeup to show he was abused? Wow. But I don't... Maybe. Yeah. Okay. That would be very subtle, because I don't think that any of us notice it from you. Right. I've never noticed it before. <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have noticed it if Mike hadn't said, hadn't noticed the long stomach scar. And then I started looking at him while he was on top of her. And then I noticed some other markings. Were you watching on an 85-foot screen? <laughs> I I assumed this would be a lengthy part of the podcast. We're going to get in deep on Keanu's marks. You got the CSI enhanced technology? For- <laughs> yeah, I thought you guys would be like, pull down a, a screen. <laughs> pull down a screen? Yeah. <laughs> on our, yeah, behind you from the... So this scene, even though there are many great... It was hard to pick a key Keanu, but mine is a very small bit of this scene. So the two of them are like making out and they're all excited because they're in love. And he says, he like smiles with his whole mouth. It gets so wide. And he says, I brought something. And I don't think I've ever seen a teen boy look more pleased with himself than this character. (laughs) And he pulls out like a camera and he's like, let's capture our love. (laughs) But specifically how wide he opened his mouth in joy uh, Mm. to say that was my Keanu moment. So they take some nudie photos of them making out, which we do not see. And then, uh... In terms of her story, like... Uh, the oh, next wait a minute. Can also- I pause you? Because another part of that Keanu scene I love Please. is Please. when Diane Weist is like, in her quick little daughter time, was like, "Were you? was your stomach upset last night? I heard moaning. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then we find out, and I assumed it was her moaning about sex. And then she's like, you got to keep the moaning down. You... <laughs> impossible (laughs) (laughs) that was great i really like that i mean this is a great exit like talk about i mean at least at the beginning i guess but pretty much the whole movie like he is uncomplicatedly adoringly in love with julie this whole movie right Mm -hmm, like it's it's that is so fun and nice to see in a plot line now and again right like just a guy just head over heels especially because she's smarter like i mean that that becomes a little bit of an issue just just a just a hair and like one scene where he's like oh i'm stupid and you're smart but he generally just adores her and i love that yeah Yeah. this felt very similar to his prince of pennsylvania role um especially the hair yeah (laughs) so for for this family so essentially at some point the do- I forget what the fight was about, but the daughter has a fight with Diane Weiss and is like, I'm leaving. I can't live here anymore. The photos, I think, right? I think the photos. I, oh, you're right. Yeah. It. Yeah. You're right. So like, the mom I'm being goes suffocated. To, like, this was a very Rufus moment because I was like, oh, kids are never going to go to the CBS and worry about who's seeing their pictures. Um, Not the CBS, but- the photo hut in the middle of a parking lot. Right. That is so dated. Wow. Yeah. We. Yeah. They didn't have those 
in New Jersey. I've I never saw one of those in the wild. I don't actually yeah. think I ever experienced that either, but I remember amply from movies. Mm. <laughs> it just seems strange. Oh, like it part. seemed like a valet. They're like, "We'll take your car yeah. and your camera." It's and I was like, "So what? weird! It's so weird." <laughs> I was like, "Where's all the processing equipment? How do they do it there?" <laughs> right, like in the middle of the sunlight parking lot. I right. don't understand. They have the underground lair. <laughs> it makes me think, like. <sighs> Okay, I don't want to take too much time on this, but do you think it was like a marketing people aren't getting their photos, aren't into this photo developing thing? Let's right, put yeah. them right in the middle of the I think it must lot? be that. I think it must be like a kiosk that you can like, which kiosk do you want to pick up? And so, so you don't have to go to the pharmacy. Like, right. Is it put it in a convenient the, location. Sorry. Is it like outside the mall, like drop it off, do your shopping, and by the time you're done, they'll be here. But why not know. be in, in my mind, they're always outside of like, a shop and save like strip mall type. Oh. Hmm. Sorry for your international listeners, like a, a grocery store, a food store, <laughs> a supermarket. <laughs> That's what they're called. Why friends? A why front? Uh, <laughs> why friends? So this whole thing is a why front. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> why is it in the front? It all works. It all works. <laughs> so Julie comes home and she has a very classic like teenage daughter fight with her mom and Diane Weist in this. I mean, Jesus Christ, she's so good in this she's movie. She's so good. She was Oscar nominated, by the way. Oh, she was? For this? Oh, yeah, this, this is the only Oscar she ever lost. Oh, she God. like Has anyone on this earth looked better in a pixie cut than Diane Weist? In this no. Movie? I thought Honestly, that the whole no. movie, I was like, I love her haircut. I, I yes, I thought that many times. Constantly. Yes. And her looking at the photos and then uh, when Julie's like, when she says, well, I thought somebody in this house should be having sex. Mike gasped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then I was like, wait, it gets worse. And then she's like, I mean, with something that doesn't require batteries. And like, oh, Rude. she's so good. She's dying. Because so good. in an earlier scene, there was like the big family dinner where Amadeus was oh, like, yeah. oops, this is my kid. There was a power outage and Steve Martin was like looking for a flashlight, but he pulled out Diane Weiss' vibrator and everyone was aghast, aghast but funny. Um, I wrote down in my notes that when the kid is like, mom, what was that? And she's like, an electric ear cleaner. I wrote, <laughs> I hope I can lie that good on the fly. <laughs> Older. <laughs> That's that what your 20 a... years of improv experience I are, guess are getting for you. So well. I feel like I would just be like, it was a vibe. <laughs> 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 One thing Colin pointed out, which I have to agree with, is that Diane Lee's character is like really cool about her kid's sexuality. Like she's yeah. upset by Martha Plimpton's nude photographs, but not necessarily because she thinks it's wrong to do that. Just more like, oh, my daughter is old kind of thing. Yeah. Or like she's a grown woman. And like she watches Joaquin Phoenix's porn and is non-judgmental about it. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing with the nude photos is not that she's upset that she's having sex, but she's upset that this is going to be a distraction from her like going mm. to school. Like she's worried that Todd is going to set her off on a different path that she is worried about her success on. I remember I used to always think too, she says, this is your room. You did these things in my house. So I always wondered like, are the pictures of them doing like, weird stuff i just <laughs> went in real close to the camera listener <laughs> i always wondered like i mean because she said the the way she said it i just i remember watching it at one point and thinking like are they doing something more than you know how like a mom like would wearing... be maybe yeah like more 
upset if it was like ball gags and 50 shades why of are you wearing stuff. a goat head and yes <laughs> exactly exactly but the, that blood on my walls yeah <laughs> but i agree with robin like it feels like she was kind of like like if you're gonna have sex and you're gonna have it in like you should respect me enough to like talk to me about it if you're gonna do it in my house i should know about it like that kind of thing as opposed to like you're having sex yeah which connects to when she finds the porn like the first thing she says about it is do you have any questions for me yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then finds out she was like oh he would rather talk to a man do you want to talk to your uncle gil clearly not good choice joaquin (laughs) and then like keanu reeves literally walks in right he's like hey dudes and then she's like light bulb she's like how about this doofus because so after the nude photos the daughter runs away and Diane Weiss is like, if you leave, like, you better never come back. And then, again, where this is, I think, like, a tonal difference from, like, the opening, like, baseball scene, where we see uh, Julie walk out and stop and, like, look in like she has regret. And yeah. you see Diane Weist stop and, like, look at Julie with regret. But they don't see each other. But when they do see each other, they both commit to the, like, we're really mad still. And Julie storms off. And then Diane Weist, like, runs outside and is like, you know, come back. If you ever need anything, please call, please call, please call. And then shortly thereafter, she's brought in by the police because she was panhandling and she's like things with me and Todd which is Keanu Reeves characters are over and this is a moment when like the two of them are bonding because like Diane Weiss is like taking care of her and then as a way to like bond with her daughter she's like yeah like all men are scum right or like men are garbage and Joaquin Phoenix is in the hallway looking at them and you see him hear them say that and he's very upset and then he storms out again and then the next scene with him again because because, spoiler like the ongoing thing with Joaquin Phoenix is like he doesn't have enough of a male role model in his life his dad's a deadbeat dentist right and we learn from his conversation with Keanu that he's masturbating constantly but he (laughs) thinks he's a pervert right hearing his mom and sister say that all men are garbage Mm. when he's already worried that he's a pervert right so the next time we see him he's like mom like i don't i don't want to live here anymore i want to live with dad and she tries to explain to him that his dad is an asshole but she ultimately is like he's gonna have to hear it from him so he calls his dad the dentist and is like can i stay with you and the dad is you know you don't hear what he says but essentially immediately like rejects him and this again where i thought i was like wow like ron howard like doing like more thoughtful camera work in this family section than in others like as joaquin phoenix is like walking towards the phone like diane weiss is like half in like there's like a literal wall between them and like the camera kind of tracks like following him as these like barriers are coming up and going down and it was just it's really sad and like he gets super upset and she tries to comfort him and he like runs away from that but then the scene that we were mentioning where she finds his porn oh because Joaquin Phoenix smashes up his dad's office so she's worried he's on drugs so he's like she's looking for stuff and she's like oh he has back to the future VHSs <laughs> and then it comes out she, of the sleeve yeah she finds Wet the bag ready. the mysterious <laughs> bag that Ga- that Gary has been that's supposed to be I think a very exciting moment because we've seen him with this mysterious bag three times like and the, so she finds the it in the closet paper bag the biggest ever seen. crumpled paper bag I don't know what what did you guys think was in it for, I mean I can't remember the first time I watched it like I thought for a second when she was gonna dump it on the bed I was like what is it like dance clothes is he like embarrassed that he wants to learn ballet that is precious (laughs) i think i thought it was like animal bones (laughs) (laughs) human skull to make the goat's head to wear during sex yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so we already sort of described what happened so she sort of like six todd on him as like a comfort and someone that he can talk to and then we get i think keanu's like second big scene in the movie yeah where he comes in and is like hey like can i be straight with you 
And he like talks to Diane Weiss about like what he talked to Joaquin Phoenix about. And he says, that's a weird little dude, which is my key Keanu. (laughs) (laughs) But then my Keanu comes from the end of his like big scene where he's like, they make you get a license to catch a fish, but not to have a baby. Like, it's not totally Keanu's fault. I feel like he, he wasn't quite up to the task acting wise, but I also think that's just clunky writing. Mm. What you thought that you thought the sentence, but any butt reaming asshole can have a can be a father was awkward. Yes, correct. Yeah, because I myself have never heard butt reaming before that line. <laughs> I think that's what he said. That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. He also says, um, not weird. He says that is one messed up little dude. Your, your oh, line. thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah. His delivery of slapping the salami to refer to masturbating that was that was a close runner up for my Kikianu. It was very funny. Is Kikianu your favorite line? Are it's just your favorite, favorite moment, moment of his acting, but okay. in this movie, it just happened to be lines. Okay, for me. Okay. What about you guys? What were yours? So my my Kikianu doesn't come to the end, but what I specifically regarding this scene, I want to ask. Uh, is there anyone else who could have delivered this scene in a similar or comparable way uh, that would have been as good as Keanu? I do have an answer. Mm. Oh, okay. And I, this is a segment we have not yet named. <laughs> oh. I mean, my Still gut instinct is obviously no, but yeah. I guess I'm open to hearing what Robin thinks. <laughs> River Phoenix. Oh, okay. Wow. Too soon. For poor, <laughs> no, I, for poor I think it's... Listen, it's his older brother. It, he was dating Martha Plimpton at the time. Oh, so like right. it's just real life. Wow. Okay. Wow. I've only ever seen him in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, so I don't really know River Phoenix very much. Well, you're gonna see him in my private Idaho. I'm looking forward which to it. I read. Uh Martha Plimpton, like on the set of this movie, was like, You should meet my boyfriend. And that's uh-huh. how River and Keanu became friends. And River Phoenix is the one who was like, Come do my private Idaho, which was one of the first like uh what's the right way to put this like artsy high status kind of movies that keanu okay. did i can't believe you haven't seen stan by me Bob, oh as yeah a, as a boy human <laughs> this is true yeah no, I also to, to, it's a gaping hole in my uh highly recommend running on empty for which river phoenix was oscar nominated and dogfight mm. okay in particular bob i think you would enjoy dogfight with uh willie taylor i mean that would have been adorable casting obviously and yeah. he was a good actor and could have could have done it well but um, right he could do anything i mean i guess i will say not to like skip around but i do think that like there was i knew it was one of your segments the beautiful range uh did keanu demonstrate skills beyond what's normally considered so what i said to mike after this movie and i think this scene is pro- the epitome of it is i think this role is the the peak uh performance of the bill and ted character so to me this is like (laughs) if you took the bill and ted keanu archetype and you were like i i want to see how good like in a real acting kind of way but you still have to be this like whatever dude i think it is in parenthood that's that's my general assessment of keanu in this movie is that it's like a beautiful Oscar-winning performance of Will or Bill. He's Bill, right? Yes. No, he's Ted. No, Todd he's Ted. with one D. No, no, no. I meant in Bill and Ted. He is. Oh, yes. Theodore. He is Ted. Theodore. He is Ted. Yeah. He played Ted on his tombstone. Ted and Todd. All right. Well, this is Robin recording herself separately to say that this is where we're going to 
cut off part one of the Kiana Reviews episode about parenthood. We ended up recording about two hours worth of conversation. And so in order to spare my sanity of having to edit that all in one week, we're going to stop here. Please join us next week for the remainder of our conversation. And in the meantime, thank you so much to Alex Reed for our theme tune. Thank you all for listening. And most of all, here is part one of Thank You, Keanu. This breeze is so good. It's fondue with cheese. We're going to eat it all up while we talk about Keanu Reeves. Hey there, Boyle. How was your weekend? Well, actually, I got a little sick. Oh, really? Sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. Bullets Over Broadway was on TV. And I came down with a big old Diane Weist infection. <laughs> like yeast!